in this episode, my friend Jamie is with us today, and he shares his experience with the infinite banking concept and some of the opportunities that he's had the privilege of taking advantage of over the last several years. I've had fun, and I hope you enjoy listening. Welcome to the Bank of Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. And if you listen or have listened very long, you know I'm very excited when people come into the studio. Um, and man, I'm excited this morning. So I have uh, my friend Jamie with me, they, him and his lovely wife. They traveled, you know, from their state of Mississippi to uh, sit down with us and, you know, have some time away. And, you know, it, it's I've been looking forward to this. Right. And uh, and I'm excited that he's here. He's got a great story and uh, great experience that he's willing to share. And I really appreciate that. Jamie, how in the world are you, sir? I'm great. I'm glad to be here. Um, thankful that you, you know, sent me an email saying, hey, would you like to come on to a podcast? You've got a good story. I'd like to hear more about it. So um, here I am today and looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, perfect. Me too. So I'd like to, you know, maybe if you'd share a little bit about your background and, uh, you know, and really the whole journey from exposure to the end of the bank concept or as much as you want to share, you know, and how you know, how that happened, background, whatever, and then how, you know, how you got here, what you, what have you been doing? I think, um, let me say in addition to that, I think uh, maybe we've known each other a couple of years. About yeah, that's accurate. About two. Um, okay. Yeah, two years, roughly. Um, I reached out and uh, asking, you know, a lot of the questions everybody's asking. Um, watched a bunch of videos on uh, your podcast and that that made me feel like I knew you before I felt like I knew you you know so um, you got to hear me before I could hear you <laughs> that's true that's true um, yeah my, my journey is it was a long road um, started about roughly five years ago um, you know it takes about a good six eight months to vet something thoroughly and to know if you want to bring this into your family um, your situation and you know, it, it checked all the boxes it, and uh, I guess it all, you know, started from when, I, you know, I had a great childhood growing up and um, I lost my dad when I was 12 years old. So wow. that was something that I had to come to grips with and, and all that. But, you know, me and my, my family, we made it through everything and life insurance was a was a big deal at that time to get us you know to where it didn't interrupt life as much as it could have and um, maybe that's where the value of life insurance you know a lot of people hear life insurance and that scares them away but um, for my situation that wasn't the case um, so we you, you um, I'm I would think you might not have been aware as a 12 year old young man that your dad had life insurance. I mean, did when, I mean, were you aware of that or did you find out later that that made a difference in y'all's life or to know that, you know, the pressure of, um, money and all that was never a factor. But once I come, you know, maybe, 
14, 15, got a little older, noticed that, you know, nothing had really changed. We kept having everything we needed um, to get by, and it was just um, a seamless situation that that never changed. And, and uh, you know, come to find out, it was life insurance that was there the whole time. And um, that's how I don't. I don't recall that, you know, I mean, you know, thanks for sharing. I don't recall that, but you may have told me in the past, but, you know, I know, uh, like they, they came in yesterday. So this Saturday morning, you know, uh, came in on a Cinco de Mayo, traveled over here. Right. And, uh, you know, him and his wife came in and, you know, before people come in, I'm like, I'll pull their file up, you know, he's a friend and he's a client and, uh, you know, I'm like, well, where's Jamie's policy? You know, just I want to see kind of what's going on so I can speak intelligently. And, and uh, of course, I knew, but I'd forgotten. But then I realized you didn't really have a policy. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yes, he does. Yeah. And somebody else said, no, he doesn't. And somebody else said, yeah, I think he does. Um, and so, I'm, you know, I'm just bringing that up that um, – so at a young age, you know, and tragic, you know, it's hard to hear that. I mean, sorry that you lost your father at such a young age. I mean, what a challenge for a young man. Um, but then you realize that life insurance, I mean, so you realize that not much had changed, but then later you realize that life insurance might have been a part of that. And so did, you know, as a young man, did you uh, like, you know, uh, I think you married young, young kind of. Did you like immediately go out and buy life insurance? Was that part of your thinking, you know, because of your experience as a young man? Yeah, that when I got married, it was a I knew the role my dad played and um, I knew I had to step up and, and be that father father figure. You know, once once we had kids, it, you know, we were married. We had to make sure we could live together for you know, before we have kids, bring you know, that pretty smart idea. So, <laughs> we we had um, our first child after eight years of being married. So, you know, marrying young, I think you have to learn each other and you know, make sure your your values line up and to make a successful relationship. You know, long term um, situation. Um, but I think that was an important part of our life to where I had always had decent decent enough jobs to where, you know, um, had a 401k in place because that's all I knew at the time and um, life insurance, you know, you have a company, company life insurance, you know, you can max times one, times two, times three. Uh, of your salary, right. So they provide some and then you can buy more than that sometimes, yeah. Additional. Um, and I knew that was something that that I've always ma- maxed out, and yeah. um, just just because of the my mindset and how I thought. Um, so you're you're doing the things that you were doing the things that most everybody else does and is aware of and is presented to them, especially as you know an employee. You know you have the company benefits, and some companies have more than others, but you always maxed out the life insurance. Yeah. When you when you talk about life insurance and you go through that, you know if you, I mean, do, do you remember your child? I mean, is that is that a driving kind of? 
Was it just there that, you know, you lost your father at a young age and life insurance made a difference, so you're going to make sure that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a that was a, a big a big drive, I guess, was life insurance. Um, knowing how I viewed it versus, you know, you, you hear people um, talk negatively, negatively about life insurance and um, – but life insurance, you know, the reputation of it for some people, it, it can be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And um, but overall, I mean, I had to get to an age to where it made sense to me and my family that that I knew if if I wasn't there anymore, they would be taken care of. Yeah, I could so see that, you know, uh, as a young man, you you lose your father, you come to the realization that life insurance made some kind of a difference. And going into the workforce and you hear the negativity is like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm worth more dead than alive or whatever. You know, I'm not going to leave my wife enough money to, you know, make her new boyfriend rich or whatever. I've heard lots of things right in the life insurance business over the years. And and I always love it when a when guy says stupid stuff like that. And in my mind, I'm always thinking, oh, okay, so you're going to force your wife or your spouse uh, to marry somebody to raise your children. It's like, oh, that's a sales tactic or whatever. No, that's that's by gosh what happened. So I could see you going into the workforce and like I'm buying life insurance in spite of the negativity. You know, I could that makes sense to me. Someone else's opinion. And this this goes for judge being judgmental uh, for the people that are judgmental. Um, Someone else's opinion doesn't necessarily. I don't really take that in consideration because I like to learn everything for myself and what you know kind of gain my own opinion about someone else or what they're doing or what another person might be doing but um i've always tried to give everybody the benefit of the doubt yeah. until they show me otherwise yeah so that's powerful right there i'll make my own decision not based <laughs> on somebody else's right. you know negative opinion or opinion positive opinion and that's what i've heard you say before it was someone else's um outlook on life insurance or whatever um a lot of people judge it by someone else's opinion yeah yeah and nelson i got that straight from nelson you know he said well most people's understanding of life insurance is based on someone else's misconception you know and you you hear that and it's like man you know okay well you know you're a life insurance agent of course you're going to say something like that no just think that through you know and it's pretty true so all right, so you go into the workforce, you get life insurance, and you you know you you marry up. There's no question. So you're obviously a good salesman. What do you what do you do for? Do you want to talk about that or? You don't have to. It's okay. My work my work career. Um, it's majority of it's been at a chemical plants and uh, industrial type settings. Uh, uh, for my area, that's what makes most sense for someone that. You know, I attended a trade school, um, went into leg- like electrical, residential electrical um, type trade. Um, and I knew from high school that uh, I wasn't going to be a college student. It just wasn't going to, I was going to waste money, yep. to say the least. <laughs> and not have fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I went into the trade, trade school and... And that's kind of where 
I was trying to figure out what do I want to do the rest of my life and and just so happened you know my dad had a great reputation he I don't know if I mentioned but he he worked at a chemical plant also and just by his reputation that he left um, I mean it was a shoe in um, so he he provided a a, a good financial set up for for me and my family um as a kid so i knew well that's an option let me let me look around and um that's just where i ended up so i you know put in an application they call said man we'd love to have you over here working your dad was a great guy he missed he didn't miss any hardly any work uh, good worker everybody liked him and you know your reputation usually you know su super succeeds or whatever yeah, you know yeah. you and um once it take 20 years to build a reputation and 20 minutes to <laughs> to blow it yeah uh, so to speak but yeah anyway the chemical industry was the path i chose and that's where i'm currently at today um it makes a you know makes us a good living yeah middle of the road at, uh, to above average so and i knew i was needed to do something other than 401k you know because well that, how'd you how'd you know that i mean how did how did how did you you know i look at the people that i work with and uh maybe their you know their ages vary but still you can you can learn kind of what to do and what not to do by what other people are doing. Yeah. And that was something uh, I saw that a 401k wasn't wasn't going to cut it because uh, all the horror stories of some of the older gentlemen that I've worked with and, you know, the, my current job and um, the other, I worked, I've worked at two chemical plants, so, um, but they basically did the same thing, sim similar things, and um, the people all there were, similar to you know their mindsets and everything and i just sort of learn from the older people and i hear what they wish they would have done at an earlier age and this and that but i've always taken that into consideration in my my thoughts moving forward you know taking the best of what i've heard and vetting it and and putting it to work in my life so but, uh, it sounds like a a path and a plan to me so, if you didn't, you know, want to participate in that, you know, did, did you search for alternatives or, you know, what'd you do? So, I'm not going to do that. And uh, how'd you get to doing something different? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, it all starts with the way everybody starts, it seems like, is you look up one day and you see that you're you're making good money. My wife, you know she's in the medical field and she makes average to above average we're similar in in pay scale so um we made too much money to always feel like we're short and we're I, i'm gonna say we're at least average disciplined people and um, i'll say that they're above average and <laughs> disciplined people right and just exactly like most of the people who listen here in my opinion right. without patronizing okay right. 
and um we were just coming up short every month um i mean i live i live very modest i mean we have 1100 square foot house i live in which that was my family home growing up um i was able to um purchase it from my mom I kind of had to buy my mom, my brother, my uncle, you know, everybody out because my grandmother didn't have a wheel. But that's you. beside the point. But um, so I wanted the family home. My dad built that with his hands and sentimental. Um, the acreage that we have around, we're kind of in the center of it. So we got roughly 70 acres and we're right in the middle. And um, my grandmother's house is right there beside me. So that's kind of like a rental opportunity or for me to control who lives over there because it's so close to my house that I need to know who's there. I can't just let somebody else dictate who lives. So I had to have control. (laughs) (laughs) I knew control was a a major point there. But um, that's that's kind of where I'm at uh, with that. But. Uh, going back to your question, um, how did all this start? But um, I started reading um, books and listening to podcasts and all that, and seemed like this this was the way to go. So you just <clears throat> jump on YouTube and like look up financial stuff, or well, yes and no, but. Um, yeah, I don't want you to say anything you don't want to say. I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know. Well. Because um, I sure don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah. And our, our house payment was our largest, um, you know, expense at the time. And I was looking to how to pay off my house sooner, things like that. And um, I ran across HELOCs, and I know HELOCs are um, – iffy at best you know just something to jump into but um i guess that started my journey into the finances and looking what's important and what's not important and finances are pretty high on the list and (laughs) i need i knew i needed to take control of my finances and and kind of started on how to shred the mortgage right yes yes and so, yeah, there's a lot that goes out on that. You know, and HELOCs are just, you know, you know, uh, they could be a financial tool, no question. But so, but that was the primary, you know, you want to take control of your finances. You're coming up short. Or you feel like you're coming up short, but you're making good money and you've got a big old mortgage, right? And so you want to get out from underneath that, right? Is that? Yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. And I just kept diving deeper and diving deeper. And, you know, come across this infinite banking, IBC stuff. And it's like, well, it sounds too good to be true. So let me keep digging, keep digging. And and that's what it was. I, I vetted it all the way back to Birmingham, Alabama. And you know, all, all roads, when it comes to infinite banking, right, becoming your own banker, the, the researcher, the searcher, the seeker is going to wind up in Birmingham, Alabama, right? So... And if you don't, you know, if you just – and, you know, we can all do whatever we want to do. But, um, you know, if you don't keep searching, there, you might not wind up at Birmingham. I mean, a legitimate, thorough, adequate, you know, vetting is going to wind up in Birmingham, Alabama, in my opinion. 
you know so yeah and that's that's exactly where i ended up and um and so what'd you do when you got there so you 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 go to you know um infinitebanking.com or uh in and i what so you go there you know it's a source or you figure out it's a source right and And, you know then you then i bought the book um becoming your own banker and read it several times and i knew right then that was that was my answer and it, it wasn't that it's too good to be true it's it's just once you know better you should do better right so yeah. um i knew that was something i could implement in my life it could work out uh, i just had to prioritize my money to go there first so to speak yeah and and you know um as as a husband and having two kids um I knew I had to take control of the situation, and that's that's how I ended up here today, I guess. Right. <clears throat> so, was your um, wife on board with you, and you, you know, you say, "Honey, read this book," and she's like, "No, I don't want to read it," or whatever. I mean, I'm not, you know. Yeah, it, it took a while. It it, it did. Um, just being honest, it it took a while. It took a couple years of her actually seeing where our money's going she's always trusted me with money so that was something that was easy for her to do because i've never really done anything that was <laughs> right. you know throwing red flags like a, i don't know how long y'all been married but there's no reason for her not to trust you after right. all these years right, right. two children <laughs> so so when you you got started and so she you know obviously loves you and trusts you and so um so did it take her a couple of years after you got started to be more comfortable or, you know, uh, you know, just, Oh yeah, that's a good idea or to be okay with. Yeah. After, after a couple of years, she read the book, uh, and I want, you know, and I always run things by her first and, uh, just talking through what we're doing, what's it going to do for us, uh, the long-term outlook on it. Um, and, and in, in long term is something we've always been open to. We, we hadn't really been the people that look at rate of returns and things like that nece- necessarily. And uh, more of outside the box thinkers versus traditional. Um, so I, I could, uh, <clears throat> you know, and I, I know you're an outside the box thinker and I can't wait till we get some to some of the examples uh, and I've kind of alluded to uh, some of the things that you've done in previous you know episodes without mentioning any names and you've heard them probably huh right okay. and uh, pretty dang impressive in my opinion but you're you know and I mean I have my comments on that but um, so I mean when you say you, you know you're not really hung up or focused on the rate of return but then in a sense that you are as well i mean you know what your money is doing or what you think it should do so it's not like you're oblivious oh i'm gonna buy life insurance and not worry about the rate of return i mean you could see how you could control your finances broadly and cash flows without getting hung up on a rate of return would that be fair to say right that's fair it's it's more about the way I saw it, the power of what this is about was the moment I, I 
I guess I've heard, I had a aha moment, as Mike Michael Fleet would say. Yeah, we got to give a shout out to Michael Fleet. I didn't. If we can, right here, don't lose your train of thought, right? So they come. You know, him and his wife come in yesterday and did a little, did a little tour of the office, and you know, just uh, kind of get the feel of it. And and I didn't know this right until this yesterday afternoon um, that Michael Fleet, you and Michael Fleet connected at our client only event in October and he's been kind of prodding you to show up here I didn't know that thank you sir <laughs> I had no and I think that's as cool as it can be you know and the whole idea of uh you know 100 people in the room doing what you're doing and you don't have to feel like oh my god you're a leper doing something everybody in there is doing the same thing so it, it, it adds to you maybe a level of uh, comfort that you can be free to I say maybe freer to you know share with these other people I mean it, so I'm just saying the benefit of a live event is the people attending meeting other people attending because Mike Fleet's on the other side of the country as you you know you wouldn't normally meet him um or even people like him, you know, like in maybe Mississippi that, uh, you know, how many people do you know that's paying high premium, high cash value life? And you're talking about the eminent banking concept. And, you know, it's like Nelson mentioned the Lone Ranger, right? You feel like the Lone Ranger out there. So, and I don't want to go on and on about it, but I just thought that was very cool because I love my, you know, we, uh, anyway, and then to find out that y'all connected and he's been kind of prodding you to show up. I love that, right? So. Um, yeah, he's a he's a great guy, man. We 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 hit it off. Um, our core values kind of line up, and yeah. I just knew he was. Uh, I kind of look at him now as kind of a mentor because he's really doing it. I mean, he's real organized, and I could learn a lot from his somewhat his personal setup and um, how he organizes his life and with with around the finances and and all the things he's doing um it's very i almost look at him as a mentor yeah in, in a roundabout way even though we're similar in age and all that but he's just he's very intelligent and just over the top um organized so there's something i could learn from him there for sure yeah. <clears throat> well i probably threw you off track but um you, you didn't get hung up on rates of return but you could see how you could control your money with the infinite banking concept. And, um, you know, you want to talk about HELOCs? Did you do a HELOC? Can I ask if you did a HELOC and how that was? And, you know, how was that? Uh, well, I'll just leave it at that. Did y'all wind up doing a HELOC? Or you want to not talk about it or talk? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we, we done a HELOC. Um, actually, I had two HELOCs. I had one on my rental property and one on my primary. And once I started peeling the layers of, of IBC and, and how it operates. And I just, I knew that it didn't line up with the HELOC world as much as I once thought it would just yeah. by looking out on the surface. Did you discover the infinite banking concept and HELOC kind of at the same time because you're, you know, I mean, fundamentally, I guess it would be because you're, you know, trying to get rid of the mortgage, right? So did that occur about the same time? It did. Yeah. It did. It was all within a few months of each other yep. but um and that's where it, uh, uh you know the economy and all that stuff was starting to 
turn against us, so to speak, like just the interest rates and things like that started creeping up and and I knew I had to have an exit strategy at some point and I, this couldn't keep going on because the more I found out about the IBC world um, uh, and what Nelson was teaching and um, what was in the book, it just, I knew, you know, once you know better, you should do better and that, that kind of hit me and I was like, well, I can't keep with the HELOC. The HELOC's got to go. Because uh, I didn't want to get trapped in the world of high interest rates. Was it a variable? Were they variable rates? I got you. Okay. It was. And, um, I knew I had to uh, move forward and, and grow from the HELOC world. I had to um, get into a more stable environment. I got you. I mean, the HELOCs, you know, I mean, they can absolutely work, even if. You have a high interest rate on the HELOC, and they're sure as heck higher now than they were three or four years ago, right? So, but um, you know, and 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 so, you know, that it's a, it could be used and very beneficial to get out of debt, right, on a shorter term basis. And I know there's listeners that use them and and write them, and and I get that, and I'm not, you know, whatever's right for you, that's what you should do, right? Um, but I've also seen people that have HELOCs on the variable rates and, you know, just a couple of months ago, they're at five, 5.2 or whatever. Now they're kicking up seven, 7.25, 7.5. And, you know, if you weren't really aware or didn't take into consideration that interest rates are going to rise or could rise and, you know, you got a honking outstanding balance on that. Um, I mean, it, there's never a problem till there's a problem, right? But anyway, so I'm not I'm not beating up HELOC. So I'm just, you know, you you seen the HELOC, you implemented it, and uh, but then the more you read or the more you discover the infinite banking world, because I believe, like I said a minute ago, the HELOCs can they they could be used as a tool, and there's no question on the shorter term. But the infinite banking concept practiced over a lifetime, there's no comparison, in my opinion, right? Because right. at some point you got to look at where do I put my money. Mm-hmm. Where, where's the best use of my money and those are some of the things that, that I had to start looking at um, should I put it into the HELOC or should I put it into the life insurance policies and for premium or PUA and it was like ah, man at the end of the day <laughs> it, began, it begins to be apparent where the, the best use of that dollar would be and and it's going to the multi-tool, you know, something that's providing life insurance. Um, I mean, there's so many values on the paper that that's not seen, you know, in the in the numbers. And you know, a lot of people get hung up into the numbers, but the things you don't see inside of that that policy and what it's doing for you the whole time. I mean, every dollar you put in is captured and compounded on and providing multiple layers of use and opportunities in the future there's a there's a lot there and i completely agree with you you know did you get hung up on the numbers in in the you know in in the early days or Um, the numbers you know i was looking more so for like a a retirement plan Uh and the numbers you know i I did want a certain number that i could retire on in the future um to say everybody's number would be different, but 
Yeah, it's like the sleep comfort bed, right? Every number's different. <laughs> but yeah, it was going to do what I needed it to do for what I was paying in premium. So that's what was my first initial look on, you know, looking from a kind of on the shallow end of it. Um, that was directly what my eyes went to is sure. the retirement side of it and how I wanted to use it. But it's so many more. It's it's so much more than just a retirement plan. Now that I keep learning, continue to learn about what it's actually doing overall. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, there's a lot there. Nelson called retirement passive income time, you know, and then the industry and in, in <clears throat> this year, particularly, you know, some of the big, large mutual companies, they're, you know, coming out, you know, quote unquote, against uh, infinite banking or becoming your own banker. They've never embraced the policy owner collateralizing their cash values, right? So it's, it's no surprise to people within the industry. But, and I'm bringing that up here because, uh, you know, the accusation sometimes from, you know, financial gurus and even life insurance companies, oh, these people are marketing life insurance as a retirement plan. Well, you know, you go back a hundred years and people used to pay a lot of premium and build a lot of cash value and then enjoy that cash value either through withdrawals or loans and take passive income. So it's almost like they've not only forgotten their heritage and their history, but actually what their policyholders are actually doing with their policies. But um, the infinite banking concept is not, quote unquote, a retirement plan. It it can produce passive income in retirement. No question about that. So that's one thing that can be done, right? And then especially if you've lost someone and, and a death benefit has made a difference for the survivors or the beneficiaries, that death benefit is very powerful. And within the infinite banking footprint, you know, it's quite easy to diminish the death benefit when there's no reason to, right? Because we're all going to graduate. And then <clears throat> you just back up a bit. The cash values must equal the face amount at age 121 today, right? So that speaks to how a policy is designed. And so if that's true, and it is, um, do you want a big death benefit or a small death benefit? If the cash value must equal the death benefit at age 120, and I know that's a long time and you're probably not going to live to 120, I get it. But there's a guaranteed increase in cash value because that has to occur, right? And so we can diminish the death benefit and then when we graduate, we can leave you know a small face amount, right? And maybe people are going to be dependent uh, on the government or whoever. So I'm just making a point that if the cash value must equal the death benefit at age 120 and you're going to die and I'm going to die, we're all going to graduate. We just don't know when. Why would I want a small death benefit? Right. I wouldn't. And so passive income in retirement. Yep. That's one thing you can do, you know, provide a death benefit, you know, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, graduating too early. Uh, having a death benefit when you do graduate. Oh, but then the capital, you know, we must put our money somewhere. And you'd already decided the 401k wasn't lining up with you. You're an outside of the box thinker. So it also could provide a great place to put money, right? That you have access to over this long period between now, however old you are now, and when you graduate, right? And, and, 
for all the things that you're going to buy throughout your lifetime, um, you're going to buy those things anyway. So why not control who you pay in your your interest to? Why not pay it back with you with your full control of when you pay back and how much you pay back, and um, and then that's opening up a whole whole another a world of how you think about finances is who's got the control, who maintains the control, and your actions have greater effect on your situation than even what the life insurance has on your situation. Oh my gosh, I love that. Was that did you experience that? Um well I'm sure you have. I don't wanna, you know, ask questions, hardly know the answer to, but um how has your uh thought process or how you look at money and cash flows you know how how much has that changed you know when you're talking about purchases whether they're cars or whatever it may be and i'm not talking about grocery money you know every week financing that through a life insurance policy at all but has your view changed on how you look at cash flows whether it's rental property or whatever it's doing and uh for sure because uh the the more capital or the more premium you pay in, it reflects as in more capital. So uh, cash value slash capital, yeah. whatever. Um, <clears throat> it allows you to, to make the purchases that, that you ordinarily would not ever make. Uh, mm. So it, it gives, and, and it seems like it's more about the journey. You know, when you're trying to build capital and all that, you got to be disciplined and, and know your direction know your goals um what are you trying to achieve and then you know it's more about direction than than speed for sure um so if you keep moving in the right direction um uh, you'll always achieve your goal so as far as the capital that you have in place in these uh, policies it's i mean it's very easy to get your hands on it i mean you just call i need x amount sent to the checking account and i mean within three days it's usually there and the world looks a little different when you got plenty of capital to do the things you were going to do anyway so when you can cut that third-party lender out but because in Nelson's book, he speaks on um, about that third party lender will make more than the actual guy that's doing the work, you know, in the login illustrations and yeah, stuff. Absolutely. So equipment finance, becoming your own banker is what he's referring to. Um, so those those things really resonated with me. And that's kind of the direction I went as far as mentally what I was looking at and um as I improved, you know, understanding what, what Nelson was saying and all the illustrations. Um, but anyway, back to the capital, it's it's a powerful thing when you can just do the things you need to do to possibly make more money. And, um, you know, you can't really put rates of return on <laughs> not having to go to the bank and go jump through all their hoops and all that. So it's, it means more than what the capital is really worth anyway. 
to me. I agree. You know, and too, like that real estate investor or the entrepreneur, uh, they rarely value their time and effort appropriately, right? <clears throat> so I might, you know, go do a real estate deal and it's going to have its results, hopefully positive, and it's real clear. I put this in, took this time period, and I get this out, and net, 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 and there's my, you know, net profit, right? Rarely do they put, calculate their time, effort, and energy in the deal, you know? So there's no way to put a rate of return on that either, right? Your time, effort, and energy. So, well, what if, uh, well, and I don't want to, you know, throw you off or overly direct conversation at all, but I'm kind of interested in hearing some of the things that you've done and kind of your process, you know, so you got the HELOCs and did you get out from under them or no? Yes, I, both of them are, are gone. I got uh, fixed rates on both of those properties now and um, just having to take control of, you know, the roof that's over my head. So I don't yeah. want the banks to call my notes and all right. of a sudden I got to come up with money and find a way out you know scramble for my family so um definitely had to get out from one of those get into a fixed rate situation and um that's when i started looking at maybe investing some of my capital that i was building and um one of the first deals that i done was was i bought a a condo in florida um but you know that was just a down payment on that yeah you know i didn't have enough capital to just say Hey, I just think I'll buy that. So you leverage the policy through a loan, and then you leverage that down payment. Right. right. And, of course, I own, I bought it from someone that somewhat knew and trusted their uh, judgment. I probably wouldn't have just jumped out there and bought something like that without knowing a lot about it. Sure. So um, I knew the guy through my wife. She worked with him. He's a doctor. And um, – I knew that he wasn't just trying to unload something because he couldn't afford it. I knew that was a fact. He just wanted to use his capital that he had built up into that property um, for other things that he was pursuing. So um, he didn't hide any numbers from me. You know, he um, he had rented it out. We had a he had a management company that kept it rented and. Um, so the numbers look like it would at least pay for itself, if not add a little money in my pocket. So at the end of the day, and um, plus my wife and kids, they love the beach. And we went down there once, twice a year anyways. So why not another control situation? Why not control when you go and where you stay right. <laughs> the best you can? So um, so that was something we looked at, and we, we both – um, our value, you know, our, um, I guess our opinions with, with, should we buy, should we not buy it? They lined up and so we purchased it and it was a, come to find out a great purchase because Florida, yeah, condo <laughs> property values were, I thought I bought in a high market, but at the time it was, but then two years rocks along and that it just kept going up and up and up and up and you know covid was just hitting this was about 2020 and started looking a little bit scary 
but but hey i wasn't that scared because i knew i had a little capital in place to get me through the rough times you know so in the capital is that in your cash values yes so you retained enough cash values to control the leverage yes oh good job (laughs) sir (laughs) and uh we had it revalued um after covid had sort of started you know getting under control and everybody wasn't as scared so to speak did did was the condo is it like you know full fully occupied or did it yeah it's you know, a short-term rental or it stayed um rented out i mean i had people yeah. that had came there for months at a time and stayed you know they called them snowbirds yeah. and and they would just come from the northern states and um New York. Yeah. Yeah. All the cold places. They'd come to the, yeah. the warm Chicago places and Michigan, Minnesota. So yeah. the COVID really didn't affect the uh, the uh, the occupancy is. Or, it did for a few months out of that year when it, COVID really started coming on strong. Um, we've seen a lot of, uh, uh, well, I think they closed the beaches down for um, several weeks there uh, during the, the peak of COVID. I bet that got your attention. It did, and that, that made me wonder, you know, think, man, should I try to get out from under this thing or what? <laughs> but, you know, I was able to weather the storm and come through on the other side, and um, once I got the property evaluated and, and they told me what how much it had grown over the two years i owned it i was like well i think i might be interested in selling (laughs) and just my management my manager of the property she she was a great source to she knew somebody that was already interested in it and you know i put a number out there and it it was at the top of the market for that time and um they never once backed up on that so i was like maybe i sold myself short you know, but, but i made enough profit off of it to to really you know buy more insurance perfect <laughs> so yeah but uh, it was a it was a, a good experience that i mean you knew you, did, you needed a place to put that money yeah, right he's gonna put it somewhere anyway yeah, and, and there's no better place, in my opinion, just to put money. So that was my first my first deal that I seen how easy it was to get your hands on the capital, how the capital was growing, the cash values were just, you know, growing really even stronger than they illustrated. So it was it it was not scary to jump out there on deals that seem to be legit deals. Yeah. Once at the end of the day, once you vetted and um you know the markets are are strong and the um you see the value and create more income you know and and, and that's kind of what it's all about so all right so you bought more policy sold a property bought a property sold a property i love that thought you were buying high and it went higher <laughs> And uh, what else have you done? Um, 
And it's okay just by policies. I'm just saying. <laughs> the opportunities will come. Yeah, raw, raw land, um, that's something that's having grown up on land and and being in the areas that, that I live. It's, it's a lot of rural areas that that's where there's a lot of raw land, timber, um, things of that nature. Um, and, and it seems to always work out better when when your capital uh, when your capital um, draws in the opportunities you're you know you're it's you know whenever a deal comes along to where the uh, someone's need not from under something to continue their situation and it's an opportunity for them to get out from under it and an opportunity for someone who's properly capitalized and has some knowledge on the deal right, right. when you see deals you know it's a deal um when the you attract the opportunities the more capital you have the more opportunities you attract and it seems to work out if the more patient you are the better the deal i've grown to see that it took a while to see it but i do see it when you force things that don't work out as well yeah. but when you're patient and you let things come to you it seems to work out much better and um i had spoke to this guy a few times he was a local investor that with land and timber and i told him if a deal ever come along that you know let me know and you know after about two or three years i'd see him in the mornings and speak to him briefly because i'd be on my way to work i didn't have long a long time to just sit there and talk but he said hey um i got this piece of property i need to sell and um i'm looking to buy another piece that's larger track and um you might be interested this is a a decent piece uh, you know has its own road road frontage and one way in one way out it's it's not landlocked or you know it's not cut up into odd shapes it's pretty laid out well it's got good lines um property lines and it might be something you're interested in i was like sure so a few days went by and our schedules lined lined up to where uh we went and looked at it together and he showed me it, and I was like, "Man, this is it's a great piece piece of property. It's got a, it's relatively it, it has some rolling hills in it. It's in the edge of Alabama, but um, I seen the potential just based on what I know about raw land. And he he laid a number out there that I just I was like, "Wow, are you sure?" He's like, "Yeah, I need to I need to unload this piece and um, move on and." you know i'm giving you you know i feel like a good deal and i was like yeah actually you are yeah yeah <laughs> let me uh you sit right there <laughs> let me <laughs> I, i'll be back with you tomorrow and i said i'm gonna, I'm gonna buy this track don't 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 <laughs> tell anybody else about it <laughs> a good deal <laughs> yeah that's a great deal it was, uh, you know, it was a large piece of land. It was 243 acres, which in my book is a large piece of land. So uh, he, he had already cut all the timber off of it, but he... Is that what he did? Was he... Yeah, he brought raw land and, and cut timber and sold the timber, and then he would resell the tracts of land. And Sure. And that, that's, you know, 
it serves its purpose, I guess. That's, I'm sure he makes a lot of money doing that, but at the same time, he, he probably runs into situations to where he buys tracts of land that that aren't as easy to sell because he'll buy them in, in locations that may be a lot of low land and, yeah. you know, getting skitters in and out. It, it creates a mess, and some people don't have the vision to see over that stuff. And it, some tracks he could get stuck with, I'm sure. sure. So, yeah, um, I kept that. Let's see, well, that track of land, um, I actually bought another piece of equipment. Um, I bought a, a backhoe, Caterpillar uh, 430E backhoe. It's a, it was a big piece of equipment. And by using, or, you know, knowing people that was kind of in the heavy equipment industry, um, I was able to get use a someone that I personally knew that um, had had a degree in you know as far as working on that stuff and he told me this was a good piece of equipment that I was particularly looking at and he gave me the guy's number he said he's looking to get out for from under it and um, want to know if I was interested in purchasing it and I was like well let's go look at it and he actually drove me to the guy's house and was like, here, I know this guy personally, and he he's going to shoot you straight. So I looked at it, and I was, you know, seemed like a good piece of equipment to buy. And This episode went a little long because it was an amazing conversation that will continue next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.